0: Welcome to another episode of The Great Silencing with Testimona. I am here joined by, go ahead and introduce yourself.
1: Uh, my name is Chelsea Laws and I go by Jada Beat on social media.
0: All right, so me and Chelsea, we're actually recording this episode in October. We just got back from the Self Reliance Festival. We are here uh, at my apartment in Tennessee. However, uh, you will be hearing this episode in November, and there is a reason for that. So, we're gonna get into some shit. Uh, Chelsea and I know each other because 13 years ago in November of 2009, both of us uh, left the fucking street life, left behind jails, left behind all the bullshit. Left behind dope and uh, got sober. And we have both been sober. So f- November, when this is coming out, is our 13-year anniversary for that. So we're like, shit, man. We got to, like, while Chelsea's here, because she's visiting from my hometown, which is in Oregon. Uh, she came out for Self-Reliance Festival. I'm like, you know, we're like, we got to do a fucking at least one podcast. And so we wanted, to, we wanted to speak on... um We wanted to speak on, like, our, you know, where we come from, addiction, recovery. Like, why would two broads be sober for 13 years? A lot of people ask that. Some people really don't get it. And they're like, I don't get it. Just don't let drugs affect your life. So it's like, all right, we're going to talk about it. And then we'll see what other stuff comes out of this as well. I have no idea. We did not, like, rehearse or plan any of this. (laughs) Like, uh, literally, we're finishing this podcast. And then I'm taking her to the airport. And she's flying back to Oregon. So... So, okay, so both of us have our sobriety dates in November of 2009. My drug of choice was heroin, primarily. Um, And for you, I'll let you answer that.
1: I was a severe alcoholic. Alcohol was definitely my drug of choice, um, which meant that all the parties I was going to were lots of drugs, but if there was no booze, I was finding a different party for sure. (laughs) My sobriety date is November 1st. Halloween was my last party. Continues to this day to be my favorite holiday.
0: Nice. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, and so I'm at the very end of November. My sobriety date is November 27th. Um, my last heroin use was November 24th. I got arrested that day for burglary and felony theft one. Uh, that's what they give you when you put somebody's living room in their, in your trunk. Um, <laughs> basically... Uh, Uh, if you, yeah, I mean, I, it was, it was just fucking ridiculous, but yeah, you get an extra felony if, if the shit that you stole is like above $700 in value. Um, so yeah, got hit with that, uh, went to jail and then I got what they refer to in my County as matrixed out because, uh, there's a space issue. Uh, I don't really know who the issue's for really. I was happy to get let out of jail, but if they run out of room and they have violent offenders, they'll like boot out the nonviolent offenders. And I did rob a house for sure. Uh, but nobody was in the house. I got caught uh, for sure. <laughs> I got caught with everything on me too. But, um, and thank God for that. Cause I wouldn't have stopped otherwise. So I'm like insanely grateful for that shit. And we'll get into like kind of the story. Cause there's a way bigger story behind that. But, um, Yeah, I did end up going to jail and then I got let out a few days later. Just, you just get randomly matrixed out. Um, cause there was no, it wasn't a person on person crime. There was no violent interaction in the crime. So I get out of jail, like in complete cold Turkey withdrawal from heroin. And I was like, fuck it. And I just, I fucking finally was ready to get clean. And I was like, I am going to treatment. Did all my fucking court date bullshit in there. Um, almost had to leave treatment to go back to jail uh but wound up not having to so but anyway that's all that's fucking neither here nor there so I guess we'll just kind of get into you know I'll let you kind of start off as far as like why that was even a a move that you made and what what our lives have been like really in the 13 years that we've been sober because a lot of people that that don't that aren't familiar with this lifestyle or whatever, or, or just they aren't familiar with being a fucking drug addict. Cause both of us started using when we were young. Like I started using drugs and drinking on a daily basis when I was 12 years old. So, and like, when did you start?
1: Uh, 15.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, 15. so yeah, that's like, that's young to be like a daily, uh, consumer of street drugs and liquor. So, <laughs> <laughs> For real.
1: So, so yeah, actually a retardant.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it does it's pretty, it's a little out of, it's fucking out of control. So, uh, um, uh, yeah, so we would both, I, I think it would be safe to say we'd both be dead um, if it was not for us. I mean, that's that's how bad it ultimately had to get. Like, we didn't do it because we were like, oh, we, like, I didn't even know being sober was part of the deal. When I, like, eventually did get out of jail and fucking go into rehab, Um, I just thought that I needed to stop doing my favorite thing, which was heroin. Um, I didn't know that it were being in recovery. And this is not what it means to everybody, by the way, like we are very well aware that everybody has their different path. And some people have multiple paths throughout their time. Some people are like off the fucking hard shit. But like maybe they still smoke weed or they use plant medicine or they do whatever. Like like we don't give a fuck. We don't give a fuck. We just, you know, like we want to not die by overdose. We have had so many of our fucking loved ones die that way. Um, Especially in the last few years and especially in this last year. Um, So we don't want to go out like that. We don't want to see anyone else go out like that. And we don't want to see uh, amazing fucking human beings with limitless potential be wasting it the way that we were. You know what I mean? So that's a mission for us too, especially with the way the world is right now. Like now is not the time to fucking slip. Like we really do need people who are awake and connected. And the antidote to addiction ultimately is connection. Uh, The problem and why most people resort to drugs and alcohol on the fucking regular um, is because they are having a lack of connection, whether that be to themselves or to others or to the world around them or whatever, but for whatever reason, nothing makes sense and everything hurts too much and so they fucking resort to numbing out. That's what we did. You know, so we get it. So I don't give a fuck how you're sober um, or or how you got out of, you know, whatever the fuck was your vice or the anchor around your neck. What matters is that like, we can all uh, have our lives back because that is not life. That's 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 literal slavery when, Every day that you wake up, you're sick. In your case, you'd be in DTs. In my case, I'd be dope sick. And then, like, all you do is shit that you once said you would never do. Correct. In order to get money for dope or, or liquor or whatever. And then you get it. And then, like, I, like, you know, maybe you go and, you know, run around on the town and get arrested. Maybe you just fucking nod out. Maybe you get into a fist fight with your boyfriend. And the cops get called and then you guys got to run. I don't know. It could be anything, right? Um, and, and then it's like rinse and repeat, but literally your whole life and you don't even want to be doing it. Once you get to that point, it's fucking miserable, miserable, but you cannot stop. It's crazy. So a lot of people have, uh, addictions or loved ones that are in addictions right now. And they're like, you know, why the fuck can't this person stop? That's like, and even I get frustrated. I have loved ones that are active addicts right now and alcoholics too. So sometimes I forget. So maybe maybe we can start off talking about what got us sober. I'll let you fucking, I'll let you start off.
1: Um, so I think it's probably uh, relevant to not leave out why I started drinking.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I spent the first seven years of my life with my biological father. My mom split the picture at three months. Um... At the age of seven, I was taken away from my biological father for sexual abuse. Um, Then I went immediately to this uh, strict Roman Catholic family. Um, In the first day, my mouth was slapped for taking the Lord's name in vain. And like two days ago, I was hanging out with the Hells Angels because they were shooting heroin in my fucking living room. So a little bit of a culture shock right there at age of seven. Um, And... Uh, I actually had, this is relevant to my life today, but I had actually met Jesus when I was seven. And, um, so when I, before I had left my biological father, so when I got to, um, this new home that eventually adopted me, um, I didn't understand what they were doing because they were clearly doing it wrong because this is not the person We were not talking about the same person. This is not the same Jesus. Like, I just don't even understand what you're talking about. Um, And then was immediately told to be quiet because what I said was uh, heresy is what they call that. (laughs) And um, so uh, at the age of 15, I said, I can do this better than you can. And it's my life. And I took charge. I packed a duffel bag and walked out the back door. Um, I... I had a ride hooked up to the next small town over. Um, I immediately got my GED and started, um, started with my life. Um, I had two jobs, one during the day, one during the evening, um, and I lived in a party house. And you know, my life was just getting started and I was 15 and I was adult and I took that seriously. And um, it started, you know, basically just tequila and cocaine. On the weekends, and then you know, we worked really hard during the week. Everybody in the household did. We worked really hard during the week, and we just partied on the weekends. Um, you know, and that just progressed to um, abandoning my children for a drink, and um, and that was all due to not having the coping mechanisms or any um guidance in my life to deal with adversity. Like I didn't get taught anything. And, um, and so I just didn't have the skills to deal with life because life is still exactly the same. Now it hasn't stopped happening to me. I just now have a tool bag that I can deal with it. And, um, and in a positive manner, you know, I'm not. I'm not, dis- I'm not saying I don't get knocked down because I do, and that's pretty consistent, especially these last few years. Um, but you know, just the economic climate, you know, um, inauthentic people, just the whole the whole gamut of if it's not authentic, I'm not interested in participating in it. And I've always been that way. Always been an outlier. Always rub people the wrong way because what I say is the fucking truth and nobody wants to hear that. And, you know, that's my truth. I don't say that what I think is truth is straight across the board for everybody. That's not true. But my truth makes people uncomfortable. Um, And I've learned to, um, to basically just be like, okay, well, we don't hang out with those people anymore because... Well I mean like what? Well, I'm not going to not be myself. You know, and I see I see a lot of people struggling today with like it's hard enough not having an addiction and dealing with the shit that comes people's way. The system is not set up in favor of you, and if you are not having a solid I just, if you aren't solid in yourself, there's no way that you can possibly manage in this world without being in debt, without having an addiction, without getting, you know, upside down in debt. Um, I just like, if the system is not set up for a person to succeed whatsoever and, um, you know, that's taken, that's taken me other directions. Uh, but this is a podcast about uh, recovery and addiction, so um, it's, it's a real problem. There's no resources for recovery um, and the ones that are our, our smack dab in the system that is keeping us down. And um, we, we have to learn to be resilient we can't, um, I keep saying, oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. All right, <laughs> back to you, Tess.
0: <laughs> no, way. you got to tell them why, what, what made you end up getting sober? Oh, like, how'd yeah. you do that? Fear yeah. Fear, the fear um, of
1: the law, fear of the law. Fear of the law. I, I, uh, used to think unfortunately, but now fortunately, uh, I got two DUIs back to back. And was definitely in a situation of um, some court mandates. And if I didn't follow through with those court mandates, I was going to jail for quite a bit. And um, Oregon does not Oregon does not take DUIs lightly. And uh, it's a big moneymaker for them. Um, fortunately for me, they were in two different counties. And that gave me a couple more years of real miserable drinking. <laughs> um, but also... Uh, I only ended up with two misdemeanors. I don't have a DUI conviction. Um, And that is because I did comply with everything. I paid all of the bills. In fact, I just got done paying in my 12th year of, I don't claim total sobriety now, but my 12th year of off of my drug of choice, I just finished paying off my my two DUI fines. And, um, so woo-hoo. <laughs> <laughs> that shit's expensive. Um, but yeah, that was, that was definitely, um, I had some mandates to comply with and, um, you know, I never really went to jail while I was drinking drunk tank a lot, definitely went to the drunk tank a lot. Um, I did, uh, I did start a jail career in sobriety though. Who knew, you know? Um, the last time I went to jail in sobriety, uh, I got, they knocked on my door, Clackamas County knocked on my door. I'm in Lane County. That's a two and a half hour drive. Uh, they knocked on my door at 1.30 in the morning and said, "Miss Laws, we have a warrant for your arrest. Um, and I was like, wow, that's interesting. Okay. Um, So basically I had to call all my professors at school, had to call my sponsor, had to like call my kids, had to like do the whole shebang from jail and um, they were like, no electronic device release, no, no, you're, you're sitting right here until you have video court 13 days from now. Well, long story short, I got to court stripes and shackles, you know, the walk of shame in the courthouse. Judge says to me, oh, Miss Laws, we can't seem to find a reason why you're here. I'm just thinking in my head, no. And then, you know, my previous probation officer is like flipping through his papers. He's like, Yeah, no, we don't. Well, I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. So, and I still to this day have no idea like why that would have happened or why that was so random. Um, I don't know maybe I was maybe I didn't know that I was feeling squirrely and the universe was like we're just gonna take you back and revisit some bullshit just to remind you that this is where you're headed Um, that's the only thing that I can figure out about that but most of my jail time was um, because of restitution was just unable to pay and so I would just go take some like two or three day stints and like, come up with ten dollars somewhere that I could like online pay, so they would be happy. Um, you know, I'm a, a career bartender, and I didn't I didn't really take a break um, while I was getting sober because I needed an income. Uh, I did do the first four years of sobriety in school, um, and then after that, I went right back to um bartending and serving and events and mostly mostly bartending at events and um you know i've just never had a problem i always think about like why me how come i made it the first time how come i don't have a relapse story um and it's just it's just by the grace of god it's just by the grace of god i was ready i was done so and I think that a lot of people come in that way with the fear of like a prison sentence, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm mean like, thank God I didn't make it, I didn't take it that far, but like also thank God I didn't kill somebody with my car. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's that's still is so haunting to me, so haunting to me that that could have been a possibility of my life, even all these years past. Yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. So jail, you know, nobody likes it no even, even <laughs> well most if, people don't they yeah do, they don't. <laughs> yeah
0: i know <laughs> i remember when i first came into like came into recovery started meeting people i remember this one motherfucker i love him to death so i'm not i'm not gonna name his name uh but he told me he was like if there were because he had been he's spent a lot of time in prison and he was like oh, by the way my voice is gone i just got done performing at a festival and like just there has been overuse of my voice Podcasting probably don't make much sense, but we're, we're doing it cause we're in the same area right now. So if I sound like really weird and crazy, uh, like I do right now, that's why. Um, but this one motherfucker in recovery, he'd always say to me, he'd be like, man, if there were women in prison, I would never want to leave because you get, I know I was like, bitch, what? Cause like, I fucking hate being yeah. locked up, dude. Yeah. Like, unless you get to pick literally everyone you were there with and like all the guards could just fuck off. And like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. That's just not how it works, though. But uh, he'd be like, if there was women in prison, I would rather be there because you don't have to fucking make decisions. You get told what you're doing and where to be and all this bullshit. You get three hots and a cot. Like, it's routine. You're in a fucking routine always. Like, you fucking do this, that, and the third. You exercise, like, da da dot, dot. Everything is just, like, done, for, you know? So not everybody feels that way. Like, if, I'll tell you right now, I don't fucking feel that way. A lot of other motherfuckers, I know they don't fucking feel that way, but sometimes when people have been institutionalized so much or just done so much time, it almost makes more sense to them, like life on the inside versus this weird cosmic clusterfuck matrix shit show that we all refer to as real life. And you know, we all have our (laughs) different fucking takes on it. Yeah. Um... But it's, it's weird, bro. It, I mean, it's, it's fucking crazy. Being a human right now is fucking crazy. So so I can understand why somebody would feel like being locked up where everything is on a, an unchanging schedule all the time, unless there's like a riot or like whatever, you know? Um, yeah, just that little part. Uh, where, where everything is so fucking mechanical and routine, I can see why somebody might feel more comfortable there. Um, the only time I... Luckily, that individual I'm speaking on... Uh, who I will not name, he's an amazing person, and he said that to me when I first came in, so that was 13, almost, uh, just about 13 years ago, about, like, a couple months shy of 13 years, Uh, because he said it when, I think I had about 90 days when he said it to me, Uh, but when he said that shit, bro, today, even, today, he's still fucking clean, he's still sober, he has not re-offended, he has not gone back, I think he has almost 30 years clean, and he's, like, married, like, Dude, he's dope as fuck. I really, and he's like somebody that I would call a friend. Like he's, he's super awesome. So it's, we're blessed that he's still here. Uh, So yeah, I'm going to actually, I'm probably going to let him know. I'm going to be like, you got brought up in this fucking podcast, but I didn't say your name. Um, The only time I can see that, I see that go south. Um, and I've, I've done this myself, but not with jail. I've done it with, um, abusive relationships is the really toxic comfort zone that I, that I have, we all fucking have them. Um, and th- that, I've had to work on constantly throughout my sobriety. Um, even, even today. Even today, it's still a thing. It's like playing fucking whack a mole or like peeling an onion. It's like just when you're like, oh, yay, I'm over the hurdle. It's like, no, you're not, bitch. Here's a sociopath. Try your luck with that shit. So, and then you're like, oh, whoops, I didn't recognize that. <laughs> so, um, yeah. But the only time I see it it'd be so fucking heartbreaking, and again, I have friends that have gone this route too, is when they, I don't know if it's conscious or not, but they are more comfortable kind of being institutionalized. And so when shit gets crazy, like, they keep getting locked back up. They keep fucking relapsing. Like they keep getting, you know, like it's, it's just, it's fucking insane. But I'm just like, well, I know why that person's doing that, whether they're conscious of it or not. It's like, they actually are more comfortable being incarcerated. Like that, that life makes more sense to them because they have more experience with it and it's more familiar versus being sober, um, Trying to be a family man or a family woman when they weren't even fucking raised by parents. They were raised in fucking foster care, passed around, handed around. A lot of bad shit can happen to you, okay? So, like, they don't even know what the fuck they're doing or what that's supposed to look like. And and some people I have seen pioneer that beautifully, fucking tremendously. Some of the best quality humans that I've ever met in my life, I have met in recovery. And they are that way as a result of healing and constantly doing the work of why they were brought to be in a position to be a fucking junkie or an alcoholic in the first place and living by a certain set of principles that is required, honestly, um, to upkeep a certain level of spiritual wellness and just, you know, back for, for, for easier wording, not being a fucking cunt. You know what I mean? Like we can't, you know, ideally we, we can't behave that way. Um, or if we do, we have to, you know, fix it and learn from it and shit. Otherwise you wind up going back out. So, so like the best people I know, like are, I've met in recovery and they live by a set of principles. But, um, conversely, you can also see like, you know, some really tragic shit. Cause it's like, damn, like it, you know, I, I don't know what the riddle is of why some people, um, come in like, like we did and last up until, up until now. I'm not saying we're lasting forever. I'm not saying fuck all. Like we could all die, everyone on the earth tomorrow. I have no idea. (laughs) But I don't know why some people come in and don't experience a relapse. And some people come in and experience maybe 20 relapses and then get it and stay. Or maybe why some people come in, stay clean for 30 years, then relapse and die. Why some people come in, seem like they're doing great, doing the most. And then all of a sudden you get a phone call, they're found dead. And then some people never even make it in at all. I like, and they literally die from the, from the addiction, whether it's, whether it just killed them in their older age. Cause they like drank or used themselves to death or they overdosed or they, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. I, I don't know. Uh, but I think we can offer some insights. So, and yeah, I guess you can just, you know, take what you want from this shit. So I'll tell you um, a bit about this. I mean, I do um, talk a little bit about this in some of my songs, not in my uh, recent music. Um, Although this is, you're hearing this in the future. I don't know what is going to happen in November. (laughs) Who knows? Maybe I'll have some shit out in November that is addressing this. I have no fucking idea. But as of right now, like all of my stuff that addresses like addiction and recovery and shit like that um, is older tracks. That's not what I have coming out right now or what's been coming out right now. So, um, for me, I did start when I was 12. I had other addictive behaviors, uh, like self-harm, like cutting shit like that. Um, when I was much younger than 12, I, I remember being very suicidal and just hating myself when I was at least 10. Um, I know I had issues with that before the age of 10 but that's as early as i remember actually harming myself physically and like there being like you know drawing blood as a result from it which um i'm not going to elaborate any more than what i just said cuz some people have weak stomachs and that's you know nothing against you if you do uh but there are a lot of people that like identify with that whether male or female like there are a lot of people who have that in their history or even present day Um, and the reason, and some people don't get it, but it actually is, uh, a type of addiction. It actually is because you're dealing with pain that you feel like you can't control. So even though you're going and causing yourself, what one might think is physical pain, what it really is, is you kind of deflecting the pain to something you don't have control over. That's coming from an external circumstance to something you do have control over. Which is a weapon in your hand. So um, it's. I know that sounds odd to some people. And some people are completely going to understand that. That's all I'll mention on that. Because I'm not trying to like trigger the fuck out of people. But at the same time I'm not going to like handle you with gloves either. So you're going to get like a middle of the road thing from me. Um, but yeah I did start uh, drinking and using drugs. Like off like just fucking there was no grace period. It was straight at the gate. Um, I do have... A lot of sexual abuse in my history um, it started when I was 12 so I don't think it's a coincidence that also so did everything else um, and actually the first time I ever got high uh, I is when I was 12 and that was the first time a sexual assault took place I remember I'm not gonna say what happened I'm just gonna say this one part I just remember like I was 12 I had never been high there was an older male that uh, came into the room and was like, hey, you wanna try this? And I was like, you know, a cool older guy, I'm 12. You know, I was like, oh cool, okay, sure, whatever. And I, you know, I take the drugs, I get high, and I got so fucking high that I couldn't move. Like I was literally like paralyzed, like one and totally freaking out too, by the fucking way. But just like way too fucking high and could absolutely comb it, like could not move. And bad shit ensued as a result. So I'm sure there might be some people out there being like, well, why wouldn't you just immediately associate drugs with getting sexually assaulted and never want them again? Well, guess what? That's not how everyone's fucking brain works because you know how mine did? Mine was like, once I got out of that situation and once I was able to get away like later, which was not until the next fucking day, uh, cause I was staying, I was not staying with this individual, but I was staying in this individual's home and how it happened was this individual came into the room that I was sleeping in. Um, so that's, that's how that happened. Uh, but the first time at least. And so, uh, I, well, I remember when I finally did get out and got to leave, uh, my first instinct was to steal that person's drugs. And I remember, uh, going back to my house, which was also. Um, not a environment that I felt safe in at all. Let's just leave it at that. Okay. Um, I remember stealing my younger siblings clothing, my younger brother, okay. He's a dude. So, cause his clothes was baggy, right? Like guys wear baggier stuff. And I just remember not wanting anything to touch my skin. Uh, so I went and like, like he, he wasn't there. So I was like fuck it. I, so I like went and stole like basketball shorts and like a big t-shirt so I couldn't like feel the clothes on my skin. And I remember just having the drugs and going and get and and using them again and getting super fucking high and I I just did that until I couldn't feel the pain of what had just happened. Um so again, some people would be like why wouldn't you associate da 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 I don't know. Maybe you should go ask a 12 year old that already had considerable fucking issues. And like, I already, you know, I was already in enough pain to where I was harming myself on a daily basis. And I had been doing that for two fucking years. And now here's drugs that get you blasted out of your mind. Like, I don't know what I was thinking. That was like, I'm 33 right now, bro. I was 12 then. I don't fucking know. Drugs feel good. Yeah, they, they, they also do like, they're not fucking awesome when you're comatose and getting molested, but like you also can at some part, like some part of your fucking brain is going to infer, okay, that substance is going to get me so far out of my body and which is where an assault just took place and out of my mind that it doesn't matter that drugs were the catalyst for like how that happened. Oh, do you want to know what else was the catalyst for how that happened? The person who did it. So, uh, I don't want to hear any shit from like absolute idiots out there of like, Oh, well you shouldn't have fucking tried drugs and you wouldn't have gotten molested cause those people are out there and a uh, special place in hell for you unless, never mind, we're talking publicly. I have to wash my mouth. Um, anyway, so, so yeah, so it, it took off from there. I do not believe it was just because I had gotten sexually assaulted that one time. Did I conti- did I continue to get sexually assaulted throughout my life? Yes. Uh, have I been sexually assaulted in sobriety? Yes. I've also been stalked. Had dudes try to break into my fucking house on more multiple, on more than one occasion. Um, I've had all kinds of fucking shit happen. I've had physical violence, sexual violence, whatever. So that's not the cause of addiction, but I'm just saying it can propel people into wanting to numb out. Um, so that was kind of like the beginning. I was already a very, um, sad, disconnected, self-hating, scared kid. And then there was like a catalyst event and then there were drugs. And then, you know, there was also a lot of alcohol, you know, very accessible to me. Um, so I was just like, fuck it. I remember even having my first drink. And, uh, when you get sober, you talk about Depending on how you get sober, everybody gets sober differently. But when you do, if you, if you go this certain route that we both did, like, that's how we met, like in the, you know, in the beginning of shit, um, the, this, a spiritual way of life and a spiritual solution. So let me emphasize not religious, but spiritual is like paramount to that shit. Like you do need help greater than your fucking self. Because if either one of us could have like stopped doing what we were doing before we did on our own, we would have done it. Like we certainly had fucking reason to. And like I can tell you right now, I tried my fucking, I tried for years to quit before I was actually able to. So I'm going to fast forward to that. Um, But yeah, just the whole, the whole way of getting sucked into an addiction, it can happen. Like everybody's got their own story, but I, I just, I wasn't really off to the greatest start. I already had issues. I didn't really have any coping skills. Then all of a sudden, they appeared. And the reason why I brought up spiritual experiences, spiritual experience, you know, I grew up in an atheist household. I left home when I was 14, so like for 14 years, I grew up in an atheist household. But I, I was never around religion, um, or nothing like that. You know what I'm saying? So, I'm just we're, if you're watching the audio, the, the video version of this, we both just like stretched out our legs, <laughs> um but, uh, but basically it was explained to me that, uh, part of a spiritual experience was like an entire psychic change and a completely new perspective and state of mind and and purpose. So that sounds absolutely fucking wonderful. Here's how you get addicted to drugs and alcohol. You can have that experience with drugs and alcohol too. Is that, is that a real like total legit burning bush thing? Fucking no. It's chemically manufactured motherfucker, but That is what happened when I had my first drink. I remember it because I was also 12, but I still remember that because it was that powerful. Um, When I had my first drink, I remember that shit. It was uh, vodka and I just pulled it out straight out the liquor cabinet, straight, drank it straight out the fucking fifth, just chugged it. And then it hit me. And I remember cause I felt totally worthless and useless, which sobriety luckily like gives you a lot of purpose. So like I'm in a heavy emphasis on helping others as well. So very grateful for that. Um, But I remember having that first drink and being this hopeless suicidal, you know, like kid that just felt like the world hated her and she shouldn't be alive to, Oh my God, I just found my purpose. This is why I'm alive this. Cause when I drank it, it made me feel so powerful and safe and protected and untouchable. And I was like, now I have something. Cause I felt like I had like no fucking identity or sense of self or whatever sense of self I had, I hated. So like, you know, I didn't want nothing to do with that. Um, so alcohol gave me something and like the drugs came after, you know what I mean? The drugs, I, I can't remember how soon it was until the drugs rushed in. Cause like my memory is like, is a little bit kind of fucked up still. Even after 13 years, like there's years of probably both of our lives that kind of all patched like a quilt into maybe one. Like, we're like, yeah, it was just that era. I'm not right. really sure. Uh, uh, you know, sometimes people still tell me shit that I'm like, I don't have any memory of doing that. Uh, and they're like, well, you did. I'm like, all right, cool.
1: And it always sucks to hear that shit from your kids.
0: (laughs) Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) so, so yeah, it can be, it can get weird, but I'll just, I'll fast forward. Um, my life was, was pretty fucking nutty. Uh, I, you know, dropped out of school at a young age. I left home at a young age. I got locked up at a young age. And that was for a pretty, pretty decent chunk of fucking time. That place actually got shut down for child abuse. And then I found out it was there. You can look this up. Look up the Synanon cult. S-Y-N-A-N-O-N cult. They were like hella active in Southern California, especially in the seventies. But the facility that I got locked up in was, uh, part of that. And I, I mean, I didn't even fucking know that literally until six months ago, I knew we were getting shut down for child abuse lawsuits. Cause I was there when that place got shut down. That shit was fucking glorious. I was supposed to be there for two years. I only had to do the better part of a year. Um, cause we just got shut down, like just without warning and everybody just got shipped off to fucking wherever. I just got shipped back home. It's like, fuck it. But, uh, I didn't realize that it was run by like an actual cult leader, Charles E. Diedrich, I believe was his name. Um, so yeah, look that shit up if you want (laughs) to find out some disturbing stuff, but that's where I went. Uh, it's a place called CEDU, Charles, Charles E. Diedrich University. I'm doing air quotes if you're, if you're listening to audio only, but yeah, it was an absolute fucking nightmare. So I went there, and then when I got out, um, I started living with my boyfriend and his family. I was—I think I—I I was 15 when I got out. I was about to turn 16. Yeah, it was like right before I turned 16. So I wound up living with him and his family because you know he was still in high school. I was about to try to go back to high school, you know all that shit. So they took me in. Um, he would later become my fiance. And, uh, we were together for a very long time. Um, that was a, I mentioned him cause that was a love and a bond that it was, is unlike anything I've experienced even to this day. Um, me and him were together before I got locked up and he like actually, you know, st- stuck around. I was still there when I got out, you know? So, uh, we were together for a long ass time, but we did go down the rabbit hole of hard drugs, of a certain type of lifestyle. Um, obviously heroin will steal your, steal your fucking soul, swallow you completely. I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely fucking insane. And, um, it's weird that we're recording this in October actually, because, uh, it is right now, October of 2022 and in October of 2021, he passed away from, um, unfortunately he, he lost the battle with this, with this addiction. So like that was, um one of the like i've had a lot of people that i've cared about or loved or been close to die from from this shit but that was i mean i've i that was that one hit me worse than anything i mean it felt like half of my soul got ripped out of my body and i was just existing in purgatory for months after he died so that was like we're coming up on the year anniversary of that so i don't even want to fucking think about it but it's weird that we're talking about it now, but yeah, he played a huge role in my life. Um, and I would not be alive if it wasn't for him. Like I likely would have just been on the street, um, child trafficking and sex trafficking is like a big thing where we're from. And so I, I would have just gotten snatched up by somebody. I mean, being a, being a 14, 15 year old girl on the street, like under a bridge where all, where everyone's at and shit, uh, cause we have a big homeless population as well, um, I, I wouldn't have lasted long before I would have gotten like snatched up and probably moved up north a little further and just kind of held in a motel room. And uh, I I say that because I know girls that that's happened to. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, we you know we did that da 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 whatever. Long story short, I'll fast forward to when my like, when I got sober. So I had been wanting to for years, never could. Tried like everything you can fucking think of. Tried the methadone way to wean off a of heroin. A uh, horrible idea. Believe it or not, methadone withdrawals are worse than heroin. So I had to get back on the heroin to get off the fucking methadone. That was, that was unbelievable. Um, did the Suboxone shit, was getting subs off the street all the fucking time. Never worked um, because I'd like get like three days in and just flip out and be like, I have to get high. Or, or sometimes I'd actually get through it and I'd get off of it and I'd be clean for like a week. And then for no apparent fucking reason, it's like, Oh, let's go get something just this once just for no reason. It could be the sun is out and it's like, Oh my God, let's let's go hit up. So-and-so and just get a little something. It'll just be just this one time. And it was always just this one time, but for years, but it was always one time just, just, but every day. So that's, that's one of the trick fucks of, so uh, yeah, the parasite and, uh, of that addiction is to, to your brain. Like, If you got loved ones that are in active addiction and they're acting like total fucking sociopaths. Yeah, that like, honestly, the traits of active addiction and, uh, like real bad narcissism or like sometimes sociopathic shit, they can mirror each other real fucking well, real fucking well. So, and, and it's not, it's not them. It's like, you literally can have that consciousness split where like you, you're observing yourself doing horrible shit that you know is wrong and you're like trying to get yourself to stop. But whatever that voice is in your conscience that, yeah, your conscience, the the, the real you, it has no fucking control. It's almost like you're possessed. Um, And your foot's still in the gas headed to the fucking dope house or headed to a house to fucking rob or headed to do something else real bad. Um,
1: Even though you fully
0: are aware of it. Mm-hmm. And you fully do not want to and do you like. Don't even want to do. You it. hate it. You don't want to do it. You like. If there's anything you want is to just be free and to be a normal fucking person. That's all you want every fucking day. But it's like you don't have control. Oh, it's like there's something else that is driving the bus. So that's why it's so fucking hard to get out of addictions. And then once you're out. Staying out is an entirely different game. And I would almost say that that's harder. Um, so I'll get to that. So I get the way that I got sober finally is because I did get busted for burglary. I did get busted robbing a house. Uh, me and my boyfriend were separated. Um, which was necessary just because like, uh, when you have two people who are in a relationship and they're both addicts, it is way fucking harder to get sober for both of them because you guys are used to using with each other all day, every day. So like you guys are going to fucking have no. If one out of the two of you gets, gets a craving, which you both will, I don't care who you are. You're both going to go back out. I mean, there's just no fucking defense for it. It's so much harder. So you, you, there's, there has to be a separation. There really does. Um, And you guys are probably both going to remind each other of it. Like It's just going to be way too easy because that's literally been your habit for God knows how many years every fucking day. Mm -hmm. And getting sober is fucking hard. Um, So we get separated. We're in jail, da-da-da. When I get out of jail um, because we committed the crime together... Uh, we, um, the judge put like a no contact order on us, like whatever, who fucking cares, right? But they, but that meant that like we got released, they wouldn't release us together. They were like, they, they made me go first and then they let him out like probably like an hour after, but they wouldn't let us be out at the same time. So I just first, for whatever reason, my survival instincts really kicked in when I was in jail. Cause like I fucking really, really, really wanted to get off of heroin, like so bad. And I was like, okay, hey, this is my fucking chance. Like I'm just going to fucking do it. And that was actually one of, I, I had only prayed one other time in my entire life. And my second time praying was in jail. And I remember it and I really had no experience with it, but I was like, I I just remember praying while being dope sick and being like, if you can get, if you get me out of here, like I swear to God, I will never do this again. I realized that that's probably almost everybody's prayer in jail, okay? But that actually happened. Like I did get out. I so far have never used again. Um, Fun fact, I have been to jail again. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I've definitely been to jail sober. Did not have the excuse of being a drug addict. That was just, a, you know, a situation. Yeah. So I've been to jail in sobriety, and I'm like, all right, cool, fun. Um, it's it's a little bit of a different experience.
1: <laughs> Took me four days to get the Bible.
0: <laughs> oh, it did. No oh, yeah. shit, dude. I'm like, what the you fuck? Can
1: see it right there. Go get it. They're like, eh.
0: yeah, they don't give a fuck. <laughs> like nobody gives a fuck about you when you're in jail at all. You could yeah. die in there, and they'd be like, we don't care. So. <laughs> So yeah, um, fuck that place. Uh, but yeah, so when I got out, I did get to go into treatment. Um, I did get to go through detox and then I was in a residential program for 90 days, you know, da da, whatever, whatever. Did the whole fucking thing. Did outpatient for two years. When I got out of rehab, I also moved Cause I didn't have anywhere to live. And they were like, yo, there's like half, they didn't say yo, but they were like, Hey, there's halfway houses and shit. Like for women, I was 20 years old at the time. And I'm like, I don't know where the fuck to go. I don't have anywhere to live. And they were like, there's halfway houses. You know, at the time, rent at a halfway house was only three hundred and fifty dollars a month, and that included all utilities. Like that literally covered rent, utilities, fucking everything, three fifty a month. So, God,
1: like, love to be paying that. To rent think right about now. what
0: I, I I actually just paid my rent before we started this podcast, yep. and I'm like. So how much has that number multiplied by since then? Like an insane, an insane amount. Like I'm not even going to say it, but, uh, but yeah, so I did live in a halfway house also with other women who were also in recovery. I had a really good experience in the halfway house I was in. I stayed for seven and a half months. Um, I was going to, you know, recovery, uh, groups, like not everybody chooses this path. It's not for everyone, but it is the path that I went down. I, I was doing... I chose the, I got it. I was in a 12 step program. I did a, well, we can't, can't really fucking say which one. So I'm not going to tell you which one, but I was doing 12 step shit. So I was going to meetings all the time. I was working the steps. I was surrounded by other addicts and alcoholics that were in recovery all the time. Um, I was always, I was in the business of always having to like, you know, basically wrap myself out to, to, to trusted fucking people. Yeah. Uh, so when I get like crazy thoughts, like like well not crazy it's actually pretty normal for someone coming off of drugs and having a, a, a tons of PTSD that they haven't ever worked on i also did get into therapy but um you, you had to i think that's like the the secret to like staying sober honestly is like when shit hits the fan in a major way cuz it always will like you're just going to go through shit in life like life does not stop happening to you you don't like win some award just for like getting off of drugs like that's just that's called coming back to life. That's called like a resurrection or just getting to be alive again. Um that's not like, oh yay, now everything's just going to be perfect for you now. So like like that cuz that's not fucking true. Like again, you I I don't know if I said this in this pod or not. I think I said this recently. But you don't get a fucking pat on the back for doing what you're supposed to be fucking doing. So no. For the people that come in to recovery and expect all their problems to vanish like day one because they've been sober for 24 hours and then they get really mad because they haven't and then they go back out. It's like you set yourself up to fail if you have that expectation like you have a lot of fucking work to do when you get sober but you don't have to do it alone and you get to do it alongside people who are where you're at. And uh, with the guidance of people who have been where you've been and successfully navigated it, which helps tremendously. That's literally the difference between life and death for a lot of us. So, um, the one story I'm just going to share real quick and then we'll switch it back to fucking Chelsea is, um, when, when I first got sober, I was in rehab and they were taking us to outside 12 step recovery meetings and so I go to one and the, how I told you, I went to jail for burglary, right? I tell this story cause it's so fucking crazy. It's still one of the weirdest fucking things that's happened to me, but this is how I came to believe in a higher power that I choose to call creator or God, whatever you want to say. But I, I, usually use those two words. Um, this is how I came to believe is, uh, I was not allowed within two miles of the house that I had robbed. That was like condition of my, one of the many conditions of my release and I was released out on furlough. So like if I was caught like doing anything I wasn't supposed to be doing, it was like immediately back. And then likely I would have been looking at prison time. Um, it was just a shit show. So um, we, we start going to this meeting in the van that they take you. And it's in the exact same neighborhood as the house that I robbed. Like it literally was maybe two minutes away. So it was for sure within two fucking, it was probably within a mile and I was like, kind of starting to trip out because I had a real bad feeling when we were driving out there. And I'm like, yo, I am not supposed to be here. Like, I'm going to fucking wind up going back to jail. Like, da da da. Like, because my PO already knew where the fuck I was and shit. She had already made contact with me. Like, I was already dealing with her, already getting ready to go to court, like, already having to fucking do all that bullshit. And I was like, oh my God, like, I can't fucking be in this area. And everybody was like, calm down. We're going to a fucking meeting you're not gonna see the guy there. Like you're not gonna get caught. Like you're just going to a church, like it's fine. And something in me was like, no bitch, like something's gonna, ha-. and I was like panicking. So we walk up to the church and these 12 step meetings often ha- will usually always, always have fucking greeters that stand at the front door saying like, hey, you know, just, just like welcoming everybody Welcome. to the meeting. Guess who the fucking greeter was of that meeting? I'm not, ki- like if you're watching the video episode of this, which will for sure be on YouTube, for sure is on Odyssey, um, likely by this point will be on Rumble as well. If you, bro, I walk up to that church and the fucking greeter is the guy whose house I had just broken into and robbed and was awaiting multiple felony convictions for, he, it was him. I like dead ass right at the front door. And he was just as flipped out and like, I don't want to say flipped out, but just as fucking weirded out to see me as I was him. Cause both of our eyes were like, what the fuck? And I don't know. Cause I was just like, Oh my God, dude. And I was like in my, cause I had just gotten out of jail and gotten into treatment. I hadn't been out for that long. So it had only been a few weeks since I had gotten busted, putting his living room in my fucking trunk. You know what I mean? Like, and he knew I did it. You know what I'm saying? So I, and you know, uh, whatever, I won't get it further into that story, but I, I fucking trip out. I don't know why I didn't turn around and just run behind me like, you know, where there weren't like blockages, but instead I panicked and I fucking booked it past him. And I was like, I'm just going to jump the fence and go out that way or whatever. And, uh, I get to the outback area of the church, like where everyone's smoking and shit. Mm, could not scale that fence. It was all vertical bars, bro. All of them, And they were like hella close together. So even though I was like a fucking toothpick underweight fucking junkie, I st- could not fit between them. And there was no way to get above them. Even if I pole vaulted, like the tops were like pointy and shit. It was like that type of fencing. It was really, so I couldn't get out. I, and then I'm like, fuck. And then like the staff member from the treatment center was like freaking out. And I'm like, bro, I fucking told you I couldn't be here. I'm going to fucking go back to jail, motherfucker. Like, that, like what the fuck? And, like, everybody knew. At that point, word had gotten out throughout the whole damn meeting, so everybody was like, what the fuck's going on? I'm sure I was out back acting a damn fool, being loud, because I am loud in general, but I was a lot louder back then. <laughs> very obnoxious. Very, like, every other word was, like, you know, fuck or bitch or whatever. I don't know. It was much worse than than what it is now. So I'm I was making a scene for sure. Um, and I was tripping out and like also newsflash when you first get sober, it's like your brain is basically having a non-consensual fucking electrocution rave with all the damn neurons being like, what the fuck, where's our dope that we've been having all these years. And so you're, you're like fucking literally nuts. Like it, it took me months to feel like somewhat normal. It really did. So if you're someone who's just getting sober and you're like, why do I feel like I want to do all this insane shit? 25, eight. Why can't I sleep? Why can't I do X, Y, and Z? You know, it's like, that's normal. It takes your brain a fucking minute to rebalance itself when it's been being assaulted with the strongest fucking shit that you can find on the street for God knows how many years. So just a heads up, but you will bounce back. You will. You will. Um... But here's the miracle and this is how I learned how to believe. Um, the guy the man who I like love to death still so much today who I fucking robbed I didn't know he was in fucking AA I had no idea dude at the time he had like I think he had like 23 or 25 years he comes up to me because the the staff member from the treatment center was like, yo, like I have another van coming to get you, but it's gonna take them 20 minutes to get here so like who is the person? Like, maybe I know him. Maybe I can talk to him. I'm just like, dude, fucking, like, I don't even know what I said to him. I just walked back inside. And this man, I, I don't want to name him just because, like, I haven't asked him if I can show. I, I doubt he'd give a fuck. But still, just, you know, out of, out of respect, I'm not going to name him. Um, he was standing right there. And uh, I think at that point I, like, started crying. I was like, just because I was like, this dude is going to fucking kill me. He's going to kill me. A hundred percent is going to beat my ass right here in this church and just fucking end me. And also I think there was a huge level of shame and guilt because he wasn't a, like, he wasn't a stranger. I knew him. Um, I knew who he was. So I just didn't know he was in AA. I had no fucking idea, but like, you know, he knew who I was and I knew who he was. Like he wasn't like it, I didn't hit a random house. Like I knew what was in that house. So there was like a, a big sense of shame and guilt as well for what I had done. And when, when you're sober, you're going to start feeling that shit. Just so you know, not to scare you, you need to feel it. Cause then you stop doing it. You heal, blah, blah, blah. Everything's everything's fucking wonderful, but you will feel it. So if you feel like really emotional or shitty when you first get sober too, normal, it's normal, dude, it's normal. Um, But what he did when he approached me, he did not kill me. Like I thought he was gonna um, he gave me a hug and I was like, okay, what? And I was like, at this point, hysterically, like sobbing. I, people probably thought it was hilarious, um, because they knew what was going on. Uh, and cause this was his home group. So like everyone in the meeting knew him and he's like, it's okay. It's okay. You're in the right place. He's like, I'm just glad to see you here. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, you're glad to see me. Like I just fucking broke into your house. And he's like, it's okay. When I was your age, I was doing the exact same shit. And he's like, plus I got all my shit back anyway. And he's like, so just sit down, shut up, listen to what's being said in this meeting. And then he goes, and if you want to make it up to me, just don't do it again. And I was like, and that was a tall order to, for, to, <laughs> <Right>. back then <laughs> to, to make a promise and keep it. Yep. Cause I'm pretty sure I had never done it. You know what I mean? I I was a fucking liar and a cheater and a thief and a fucking criminal. And I didn't give a fuck about really anybody. And so, but that was the first promise I think I've ever kept because I did promise him that I was like, okay, but, and, and I never, and you want to know what's crazy as fuck. So I just moved to Tennessee like six months ago, but right before I moved to Tennessee six months ago, so this is me at 12 and a half years sober. Um, I was doing a lot of house cleaning as like kind of a, you know, to get some side money and shit. And uh, guess whose house I was cleaning and had cleaned on more than one occasion while that they were not home, and they left the key for me. And we're like, "Yeah, let yourself in. You can just clean the upstairs and the downstairs and these rooms and that rooms." And da da da. Guess who let me in their fucking house while they weren't even home to clean it, and then they paid me on top of it. <laughs> fucking that guy, dude. That guy. Dead ass. like that is how much of a one eighty that happened as a result of being in recovery is like and I'll back up a little bit, but I'm like, that's that's some crazy shit. like that that is wild as fuck. I even got to do an astrology reading for him. I got to do his natal chart. like it was so fucking cool. Oh my God. like I'm like I love this so much. But um, dude, he like let me in his house when he wasn't there. and I was bugging out. I was like, oh my God. Like, is he going to think that I, I took anything or whatever? And I was like, this is so weird. And I'd be like dusting in the house. And I'm like, I remember when we stole that. Like it was the weirdest shit ever. (laughs) It's like, cause you know, I was like, I remember stealing this. Oh my God. And I'm like dusting it now, like 12 and a half years later. Um, yeah, massive dude. I'd rather fucking clean your shit than fucking steal it. Like what the fuck? So yeah, that's an upgrade. Right. So, so, but like. What made me believe is, is he, he gave me a true hug and he became a, he became my fucking friend, dude. Like, I love this motherfucker. I really, really do. And like, he genuinely like, like has just shown me nothing but kindness and forgiveness. And I had never been shown that type of redemption, grace, forgiveness, and he welcomed me. Into that fucking church. You know how easy it would have been for him to be like, get the fuck out of here. You fucking rob my house, bitch. Like get out. Like I'll kill you. I'll call your PO. I'll call the cops. You're not allowed to be within two miles of me. Get the fuck out. He could have done that. And he would have been totally within his rights to do that. He, there's nothing wrong with that. He didn't, he was like, no, sit down and stay. And I'm glad you're here. And he continued to be like a really dope person in my life all throughout my sobriety. He's still sober. He's still fucking kicking it. Like 100 like 100%. I fucking love him, dude. He's amazing. Um I got mad love for him and his whole fucking family. But um that was I was like, "Okay, this must be what recovery is about." Is is you cuz I thought I was again, I was reverted right back to that kid who hated themselves when I got sober cuz I wasn't numbing out anymore. So you kind of pick up where you start where you left off. Um And then I was just like, holy shit, like I'm not this evil piece of shit who needs to die because I was just born by like I was just some, you know, God's mistake or something like I actually am worthy of redemption and forgiveness. And the whole room was like smiling at me and shit. And that was the first time I ever heard the Lord's prayer in my life. So it freaked me out because I had just robbed his house. Right. And we're all standing in a circle about to pray and shit. And it's praying out loud. And then that line in the Lord's prayer comes where it says, forgive us our trespasses as we have forgiven those who've trespassed against us. And I'm like, are, th- does everyone know? Cause I didn't realize that was how the <laughs> prayer went. And I was like, Oh my God, are they all praying at me? Like, that's like how like self self-absorbed I was. I was like, they're all talking about me because I was like, dude, it says, forgive us of our trespasses, Burglary counts. That's what I had just done as we have forgive those who've trespassed against us That man that I had just burglarized just forgave me Literally just then and then now I'm hearing that shit for the first time and I was like, oh my god And I so I just cannot explain how crazy that experience was But yeah, I started praying a lot like by a lot. I mean like literally every fucking day Um, also a little weird sobriety life hack when you got like real bad cravings and shit, dude, I know they suck so fucking bad, but I was told, and I'm guessing you were probably told the same fucking shit, um, to pray for the obsession and craving to be removed. And then also talk to other people about it. Cause when you air it out, it actually does take the power out of it. Just don't talk to a fucking idiot. Who's going to start war storying with you. Cause then you're going to get triggered And you're going to want, want it more talk to somebody who like, isn't a fucking, you know, isn't like also brand ass new, like someone who can support you. Um, and there are a lot of those people. So yeah, uh, that was how I started. Like, I was like, okay, that was, that was for, for, for for me going to my first fucking real meeting in recovery and like running into him and having that experience. Like that was enough for me to be like, okay, I'm going to try this fucking thing. And, um, also the, the whole, because my cravings and the obsession to get high and shit, like it took months for that to go away. And even sometimes it would occasionally pop back up. So like, I would have to pray a lot. Uh, exercise was big. Attendance at meetings is big. Step work was huge. Therapy was huge. Talking to other women, having a solid support network. Even if it was men too, the men also saved my ass too. I'll be honest. They cause a lot of fucking problems. But uh, so do I. So, you know, touche, you fucking assholes. But um, no, but plenty of men fucking saved my life like 100% by being amazing friends. So um, just talking about shit. But yeah, I just went off for a while. But that was like how I got sober. As far as staying sober, well, Chelsea obviously knows because she's somebody that I call when my ass is falling off or I'm tripping out or whatever. And I'm like, holy fuck. Like, even to this day, like, you've got to be able to talk about your fucking, your shit, like, and that is also some shit that me and her have talked at great length about with the way that the world is today. So this, this extends beyond the bounds of recovery, but, um, we have really been noticing and commentating and experiencing like, holy shit, this world is really fucking suffering because motherfuckers, Do people, excuse me, do not know how to connect with each other. I don't know what the fuck happened. Like did two years at home on zoom, make everybody a fucking NPC and just induce this wave of like spectator culture where like everyone is just like a hologram in our weird reality. And like, we just don't like people are just fucking weird as shit right now, but you know, we had problems before. I'm not saying we lived in like a utopia before. But I feel like society's gotten worse, just just as a as a whole. Not everyone like there's pockets of extreme dopeness. but um, we're just like, what the fuck is wrong with all this apathy? And in what's the what's the phrase that you used?
1: Uh, perpetual adolescence. Mm-hmm. Grow the fuck up.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Grow the fuck up. Yeah, motherfucker. Yeah, I think, yeah I think like uh, yeah she said. I remember you telling me that actually. I was like, why are people like this? And you were like, because the the world is in a state of perpetual adolescence. And I was like. Well, think
1: about it. When you and I first started using, mm -hmm. like until we got sober, that's the age we stayed. I was 15 until I was 38 years old. Because drugs and alcohol are retarded. It's not. It's not. It's not limited to drugs and alcohol, Mm -mm. sex, um, lottery, gambling. um, I know someone who's addicted to sapphires. What? Figure that the fuck out. Sapphires.
0: Oh my God, dude, what the fuck?
1: So, (laughs) social media, scrolling, Uh. um, it's not... Conclu- it's not uh exclusive to drugs and alcohol because almost every single thing that is coming to you from this external is designed to hook you it's designed that way and you're so hooked like that that includes employment that includes employment Everything from the external is designed to keep you away from yourself. It's just the truth. It's absolutely the truth. And, you know, like, I didn't stop drinking until I was 38. I was just telling Tess this yesterday. I was like, it just, it means so much to me for her to get to experience so much more of her life than I did in in a more in a more positive experience, right? Cuz we're we're just here having experiences whether they're negative or positive. But for her to be able to have so much more goodness in her life than, you know, c- could you imagine? You wouldn't even be done yet. You know, and it's like and I and I watched the yeah. it was <laughs> so know. bad. I know. It's like, <laughs> and that's and that's what we mean. Like we wouldn't have fucking lived through that. No. We wouldn't be here. No. We wouldn't be here. Um, yeah. It's it's insane. Everything is designed for you to fail and want to be addicted to something to distract from the reality like from the reality. Like, I, I look around and I'm like, hmm. Oh, so this is a good segue to, um, to talk about just people's presence. There was an incident night before last, where sirens, we started hearing sirens, and then at maybe like the four minute mark, I was like, well, something's up because that's a ton, and they've been going on for a long time, and so just as we were getting up to go out on the front porch, then there was a massive explosion that shook the building. And so we went out on the porch and then we could tell that all of those sirens were coming to the front of her complex, which is maybe like two blocks away. We're all the way in the back. And so obviously we put our jackets on and we're like, okay, there, shit's first responder time, let's go. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Almost zero people. When we got up there, there were two kids on a skateboard um, that were coming back into the complex. And then um, it took, it actually took me a second to realize that all of the people on the street were actually evacuated from the building that had just exploded. I was like, why is every, oh, these are, you know, I was thinking, wow, this is a ton of spectator. And there was no spectators. And we were the only ones that came out tested, say that she saw somebody on a balcony just watching. Mm-hmm. But, like, that was a massive disruption at two o'clock in the morning. Like, what? And nobody came. Nobody came. And motherfuckers,
0: motherfuckers were awake, because I, I know people are probably like, oh, they were sleeping. No, I saw, oh, I that? I saw motherfuckers watching, but nobody came out to see if they could help. Cause, cause they actually did need shit. Like, I'm not saying that we're not like EMTs and shit, but they, they were nobody was hurt. They were like just in shock and terror. There were kids, dude. And it was also cold yep. and they just got yanked out of fucking bed. And it's like, Oh my God, everything's on fire. Run, 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 run. So like one dude was standing there with just shorts and like no shirt and no shoes, no socks, no nothing. So, and then Chelsea's like, yo, we got, we still have those two fucking cases of water in your car Mm -hmm. from the, the, the festival we just came back from. So we're like, oh shit. So we run back in and get the water and just bring that out. Cause we're like, well, at least like, you know, cause I have no idea how long they were. They had to wait until they could go back in their house cause they needed to figure out what caused a house to explode. Because if there's like some weird ass gas line that leaked, like nobody can go, you know what I mean? So that probably took fucking forever. So we just went and literally, I think everybody except two people was like, yeah, 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 I want water. The little kids, they wanted water. Mm -hmm. Motherfuckers were thirsty. I mean, who relates to getting up in the middle of the night because they're fucking thirsty having to get some water? Like now you're like standing there don't know what the fuck's going on you're freaking out like at least do that and talk to them see if they need anything else Just see if ask. they're okay yeah at least be like hey like hey other person like part of my fucking part of my fucking homo sapien family motherfucker i don't know like we're all like we give a shit like little yeah. things like that because you should fucking care and your people are tribal by instinct because like back back before we lived in this artificial matrix that she's talking about that's like a fucking joke and like designed for people to fail which is why exiting the matrix is like kind of what we're about um and and it's a process it's a process right we're not, I'm not broadcasting to you from an off-grid fucking fully exactly. solar panel <laughs> run homestead you know one nope, day still
1: paying a phone bill we're yeah we're getting there <laughs> but like hey dude i'm
0: still fucking paying rent i'm i have i'm paying for why, you know what i mean like like, I'm working on this shit, okay? And we'll talk about that on another episode. I, and I think I've also already fucking talked about it. Um, but, but the thing was, is like, not only did I see some apartments with their lights on, okay, bitch? Because I know who lives there. So I was like, you fucking pussy. You didn't even come out, bitch. Because it was like right next to that person's apartment. I'm like, you're awake right now. Your ass didn't even come out. You're a grown ass man, man. Fuck you. And then I seen another motherfucker watching just standing there watching there's just women and kids and and shit just huddled up because they're cold it's fucking cold and they're just watching i'm like y'all are in your apartments like does nobody have an extra blanket like does nobody have fucking any like do do you want to see maybe if some if you could help i don't know no okay cool and then um the next day we talked to um other tenants that were also men so uh men please start acting like it If you are, like, above the age of 18 and still being a fucking absolute... Okay, let me back it up. Let me give you a little bit more grace. If you're above the age of 35 and you're still acting like a bitch that needs mommy to tell him what to do, fix it. That's it. Okay, but... um... (laughs) Uh, Also, in all you fucking catty-ass broads that act like you fucking just need daddy to fucking, like, be at your every beck and call and everybody owes you something... Fix that shit too, bitch. It ain't cute. It's tired. Okay, so uh there you go. Uh but uh one of the fucking guys that lives next to me or whatever, uh he was like, Oh yeah, I noticed that. I was wondering why there were all those sirens for 30 to 45 minutes, and I'm like, and yet it didn't go out and check, cause fucking why? Like, cause that explosion, bro, when that house exploded, my fucking whole apartment building shook. Physically, it was like poof. And before that, it, the sirens Were loud, 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 loud And we were like, yo, what's going on I even went out on my damn porch And was like, what the fuck, cause I was trying to see But there's too much tree cover, so I couldn't see shit And I'm like, what the fuck, and then, then we were like Yo, that's right here That is dead ass right here And then boom, and then we're like Okay, that, that was an explosion And we're like, we need to get the fuck out and go see what the fuck's going on So we get out, and then She's like, that's smoke. And then I see smoke and it looks like it's coming from the, the front of my complex. And again, I mentioned, I do know somebody that lives in that building. So I fucking freak out thinking that, that this person's buildings on fire. So I break out into a full fucking sprint bitch. I don't even jog. So I was like sprinting and f- yeah, I'm like, I don't do that shit. We, we walk. We, I'm like, I don't I'm like, unless I'm chasing or being chased, I, uh, uh-uh. Like, I'm not running. Fuck you. I hate running. But, like, I fucking full-blown sprint, like, death race as fast as I fucking could. Because I'm like, oh, my God. Like, we have, like, motherfuckers in there on fire and shit. We got to get them out. And then it, we're like, okay, no, no, no. It's not that building. It's, it's, it's coming from behind that building. So, we're like, what the fuck? So, it was a house right across the street from the entrance to this complex. And then we saw all the people. And then we see, I'm like, is this the entire city's police force? It was, like, fucking insane also very, very weird that there's still no news articles about it.
1: Yeah, I can't find any news, news articles. Nothing. none.
0: none. none. And sure. literally a house exploded and burned and like all: I've,
1: I've never seen that amount of emergency vehicle. There must have been 17 just fire trucks, and then there were police cars and ambulance and um, uh, response vehicles. I have never said there pro- must have been 70 vehicles
0: yeah, that shit was fucking nuts, dude, like, it was, it was absolutely insane, um, and when, what, like, I mean, I don't even know, man, I'm just glad that, like, that we, I'm glad that we did go out there, and at least, I, I know it sounds small as fuck, but at least go and check on your fucking neighbors, talk to them, get, you know, get them something, so, because, I mean, like, I don't know, like, your fucking situation's bad enough, like, at least, like, you know, ha- like how have have some this. water. I don't know.
1: Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. Mm-hmm. Do you want nobody to come if your house fucking explodes? Yeah. Do you, or like, or, or even
0: fuck? worse, do you want them to just watch you from the comfort of their own apartment, like you're a fucking avatar, or like an episode on like Netflix or some shit? Oh, I just bumped the mic. Sorry, that fucked up the audio. Um, like like how like how twisted is that that you're just standing there watching your whole life burn and everyone else is like, what the fuck is going on in the middle of the night? There's like kids they they're probably, I can't imagine how freaked out they were.
1: Ducks. They were ducks. Almost. Oh yeah, that's right. That was evacuated had a dog. Yeah, that
0: too. So it's like, everybody's out in the fucking street and it's like, how would you feel if you just turned around? There's just people like just watching like the bitch might as well had fucking popcorn. It's like, yo, like what are you doing? Like what the fuck? And you know, what's even weirder is that there's going to be people that hear this and they're going to be like, so like people aren't even going to get like that. There is something wrong with that level of disconnect when shit hits the fan. Like everybody acts like they're going to be Mr. Tough guy in a shit hit the fan scenario. Very common in the prepping scene. Um, but I'm like, yo, SHTF doesn't always look like, uh, Everyone's getting rounded up into fema camps and it's and there's fucking nukes and it's time to fucking like, you know You know get your fucking belt-fed machine gun ready and get the fucking tank. Like let's go mad max like that's that's not You know, that's possible But is that like the most probable scenario for tomorrow that
1: that you're gonna wait for to help other people? Yeah And it's like
0: and if you can't help other people with smaller situations, do you how well you think you're gonna do in the bigger ones? You fucking idiot like no Cause a lot of, a lot of SHTF scenarios look like that. They look like, oh shit, all of a sudden the house is on fire. Neighborhood's all at risk. May, it might be a gas leak. Something just went boom. Everything just shook. Now no one knows what the fuck. You know what I mean? Uh, or it could look like what we just saw in Florida, which my uncle was literally living in Sarasota. He, he, him and his wife got trapped in their fucking house. They couldn't evacuate in time. Um, It was terrifying. Yeah, I was I thought he was gonna fucking die. I was was like the
1: day I flew into Tennessee. Yeah, I was, was terrifying.
0: It was fucking it was horrific. I'm I'm so grateful that that my cousins are okay, my uncle's okay, my aunt's okay, everybody's fucking okay. But literally, like 136 mile an hour winds. My uncle is a very smart, very prepared person. But if you get trapped inside your house with like little to no fucking warning and you aren't able to leave in time and all of a sudden outside is 136 mile an hour winds that's like moving cars around and shit and you just have to hide and it's a fucking hurricane, you can't do, like, what are you gonna do? You know what I mean? So a lot of, people love to focus on the big scenarios because it's sexy and it's what you see in Hollywood and la whatever. But like a lot of the times it's like, maybe it's a car wreck. Maybe it's a power outage. Maybe it's a fucking house fire. Maybe it's a natural disaster, but it's like, are you going to mobilize? Are you going to show up? Do you, do you know who your neighbors even fucking are?
1: And you know what? Maybe it's just your neighbors having a fucking meltdown
0: that. Oh, that's a big one. That's a big one.
1: Maybe they just need a mental break from the inside of their own head. Mm -hmm. Say hi. Can I make you a cup of tea? Mm -hmm. Can I help with your children? Is there a task here that I can help you with?
0: That's a big one.
1: Just your neighbor. Yourself, your neighbor. Not really different. No. Not really different. But if you aren't taking care of yourself, you can't take care of your neighbor. So, I mean, it it doesn't matter how small or large the scenario is. You have to mobilize. That's the situation we're in today. Mm-hmm. Period. And we and no and not very many people are prepared for that. That isn't that isn't what people are prepared for. Um What we call a normie is, you know, somebody who goes and have some drinks after work and then goes home and cooks dinner and watches television, then rinse and repeat. Like, why are you here? You you think that what we came here to do was watch television and eat lasagna and go to work?
0: For somebody else and then have the feds take a third of what you made. Sorry, I just wanted to add that.
1: <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't really let my shit get run by the system anymore, so I understand how you got hooked. But, like, we've had enough experience doing that that we should just be intelligent enough to be like, oh, is this all there is? Just, that seems like a fucking no brainer to me. Like, that shit's boring. Boring. It is.
0: I'd rather be dead. I mean, you basically are. So, I mean, some people love that shit, but ultimately, like, whether you're aware of it or not, I think most people are aware that, like, you know, it's not a fucking secret that we're in a recession, that we're dealing with supply chain issues, that. Fucking nothing seems to work. uh, That there's like food issues. Like it's hard times for people. Iran
1: is protesting every single second of every single day. Yeah, there's shit popping off everywhere. People, the morality police are just open firing on humans. Do you see that on the news?
0: Yeah, not even. Do you see that on the news?
1: You turn on the news, and who do you see? Trump, 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 Trump. Yeah. Wake the fuck up. And I know that this doesn't really have anything to do with, I mean, it's a little more political than just addiction and recovery, but you're addicted to something that you don't even know about.
0: That's facts too. People are addicted to the hysteria and the drama and the theatrics of the politics and of the machine and of the matrix which makes you even more fucking disconnected from self and others. Um, I heard uh, Bear from Bear Independent refer to this here iPhone, this phone, as the Babylonian rectangle of death. And I'm like, death. that motherfucker couldn't have coined that shit more perfectly. Right. Soul sucking fucking machine. I understand that we all need to like be in contact with motherfuckers. We run businesses. We gotta, you know, it's like we gotta fucking. Make a living, you know, da-da-da, we gotta call our loved ones, whatever. But um, there's a utility for the phone, and then there's like a, a dead ass obsession and using it as a crutch. Did you yeah. do you guys all remember? Some of you might not, but do people remember when you used to actually know your friends and family's phone numbers? Or when like you had to use a map or like write down or, like if you were going to someone's house you didn't know, you hadn't been there yet? And you're like, okay, what's the directions to your house? And you like wrote it down left on this street, like right first, and then turn out this like red, like barn looking thing or whatever. Like now, like, it's like now, like I've been living out here in Tennessee for like six fucking months. I still use GPS, like almost everywhere I fucking go. And, um, I don't know anyone's number by heart except my mom and my dad. Like, because when I was a kid, I had to memorize that shit. So it just stuck other than that, I don't know anyone's number. I really don't. And that's just like, I really don't like, I'm like, I feel like this just made us dumber. So we are kind of getting all over the place. We should wrap it. <laughs> we should wrap it up. Cause I have to take her to the airport, which is very sad. But, um, but yeah, we just wanted to, we wanted to, to like, to speak on the fact that like, we're just mad fucking grateful that we have gotten to be in recovery and overcome like the, the, the fucking and it's still a process. It's still work. But like the fact that we have been given tools to overcome pretty much anything that gets thrown at us. And we've both had a lot of shit thrown at us in sobriety and before, but even in, and we did not fucking get loaded over it. Yeah. Um, both of us are like are people that fucking run our own streams of income, our own businesses, our own creative works. You know what I mean? Both of us are fucking artists. We just have different fucking mediums. Um, I mean, it's just... It's it's fucking crazy. It's crazy that we get to have lives. We do not have to be in abusive relationships. Uh, inmates in jail or prison. Um, homeless. Fucking... Like, well, we've dealt with that too. But, like, we don't... like. But you bounce back from that. Like, that was because fucking, like, you know, COVID happened. And people who are, aren't fucking high, hella high income and shit. Some of us got fucked. Especially if you didn't take the juice. Uh, because that barred you from... Uh, In in many cases, uh, living situations, even though that's highly illegal, no one gives a fuck. Um, And also definitely jobs, for sure. Um, It was very, very hard to find a job when the vax mandates came out because everybody fucking wanted you to have that shit. And I'm just like, well, guess I'm going to just drive for Grubhub for a minute then. Uh, for a while actually. Um, yeah, but you know, whatever is I'm like, actually I was making probably more money doing that than the people that had the fucking jobs were $25 an hour ain't fucking bad right. without tax. Um, so, so yeah. So like sobriety just, I mean, it, like some people need it, some don't, but if you do need it, just know that it's fucking possible. And like life is a wild, unbelievable, beautiful masterpiece Like just agonizing adventure. It really is. It's fucking. That was
1: a good. That was a good one.
0: It's fucking crazy, bro. And like, when you are numbed out and checked out and disconnected, one, you're dead inside. Two, you're dead inside. Three, you're fucking dead inside. Four, you're miserable as fuck, and you're missing out on everything. And also, dude, consider this shit. Consider that you're here for a reason, and you're actually fucking necessary nature doesn't fuck around. Nature is savage as fuck. So if you were not, if you were non-essential personnel, bitch, bye-bye gone. Your ass would be gone. I promise you that you would be gone. Um, you're here for a reason. And if you are like stagnant or whatever, and feel like you're useless, okay, you're in a rut. You ain't learning your lesson. That's why you're still here. Like figure yeah. it the fuck out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do what you need to do. Reach out. Like you can't save your ass and your face at the same time. So put your, as hard as it is. I know it's really hard. Put your pride to the fucking side and ask for help. I know that's like the hardest thing to do, but you have to do it if you want to fucking live and live a life worth living. I would rather be dead than live a mediocre life. Okay. And with, with sobriety, you actually get that. You truly have that opportunity to have any life that you fucking want. And I can tell you that even on my worst days, my life is far from mediocre, far from fucking mediocre, and it's also very far from boring. Okay.
1: It's really hard. I'm not gonna lie. Life is fucking hard.
0: Yeah, dude. Life, life's fucking, life's fucking like hard for. I, I would imagine everybody, um, or at least, uh, at least many. I, I don't know anybody who. Um, is just, like, everything so fucking easy, and I'm so happy, and, like, like everybody, yeah, I don't, I don't, um, even people that are, like, profoundly spiritual, profound, like, yogis, and meditation practitioners, Mm -hmm. and just profound fucking humans, dude, they still have fucking shit they battle, why do you think they still practice every day, like, why, you know what I mean, because they're still human, so, I don't know, dude, life is life is worth living. And this is coming from somebody who's tried to kill themselves a bunch of times and like has spent more years than they can count with suicidal thoughts running through their head on a daily basis. And I'm here telling you it's worth living. Um, so whatever you got out of us sharing our experiences from the past and how we got sober, what it takes to stay sober, which is, you know, lots of work on self service to others, showing up for others. others connection, uh, reaching out and talking to people when you need to being there for them when they fucking need to, um, and taking care of your fucking self, taking care of the people around you, having a sense of purpose, find your fucking purpose, motherfucker. I didn't even start making music until after I got sober. I didn't even know I could sing. So like, take some fucking risks, bro. Like you're here for that shit. Comfort zones are lethal. Here's some shit I heard in early sobriety and then I'll, I'll shut the fuck up and let her close us out. So, Something I heard in early sobriety that's still one of my favorite quotes to this day. There is no room for growth in a comfort zone and no room for comfort in a growth zone. So your comfort zone's lethal, bitch. Get out of it. Get the fuck out of it. Okay, I'm gonna let you take us out.
1: I just want to say to everyone who feels like they're not in a place that they want to be in, regardless of what the, the catalyst for that is addiction, depression, um, you know, eating disorder, like just whatever it is, um, don't give up. All you have to do is show up every single day. That's it. You don't have to like it. It doesn't have to feel good. You just have to show up. That's it. That's all you have to do. Pick up the phone. Do things that you don't normally do. Do things you don't normally do. Just start there. And that could literally be with like, um, oh, you know how I got sober? Stayed sober? I made my bed every morning. That was a fucking mind blowing for me. Mind blowing. I was probably sober for two or three weeks before I heard somebody in a meeting say, make sure you make your bed every day. If there's nothing else that you can be responsible for, make your bed every day. One thing. Just pick one thing. It could be change the toilet paper when it's empty. I don't know. I don't care about that shit. My toilet paper sits on the back of my toilet because I don't care. It's just me. But that could be your thing. Just show up. It's okay to not feel good. It's okay to have a battle. It's okay. You just have to show up. You just have to keep showing up. There's no other way to do it. There's no other way to do it. If you are actively showing up, the next step, the next right forward step will show up for you and you will understand what it is. And and I'm sorry that it fucking hurts so bad because it does. I ain't a sugar coat. I'm not gonna sugarcoat. This is a hard ass road. And you can do it. You can absolutely do it. And it doesn't matter if you never relapse or you relapse 20 times. That's fucking irrelevant. That means you're showing up. Every single time. It's all it takes. It's all it takes. And it will happen for you. And you do have a purpose. Like she said, if you don't have a purpose here, Mm axe. You're savage. It's savage. I'm going to get that tattoo now, savage as fuck. Yeah. (laughs) Right next to my warrior tattoo. (laughs) Um. I love humans so much, much more than I hate them, and I fucking hate them. <laughs> and I don't. I, you know, you might look at me and think, "Oh, she's a hippie." Mm, you might be wrong about that. I dress like one, but you might be wrong about that. Um, I fucking hate people.
0: <laughs> they suck. They suck.
1: And I can say that because I've been that person. I've been the person that fucking sucked. I've been the person that didn't want to be friends with me. I've been a fucking shitty parent. And none of that matters if you say, I'm going to do something different today. And you can do it. And I believe in you. And I love you way more than I hate you.
0: That is fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. All right, y'all. Well, with that, this this wraps up this episode of The Great Silencing with Testimona, featuring Chelsea Laws, a.k.a. Jaragit. And we are fucking out of here. I'm going to drive her to the airport and I'm going to stop this fucking video. Let's just, there we go. Okay, bye, you guys. Bye. Talk to you again soon.